and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Um, okay, so that video you just saw today um, was sent in by Francine. And um, <coughs> this, sorry, this week is a collaboration week, so there'll be all sorts of voices that you may have heard before, you may not have heard before. Don't get up here that often. And they're all going to share something that has inspired them. And we are, they are going to share something. They are. And um, including the kids, the kids are all going to share something too. So um, you're going to see all sorts of stuff today. And this video was something that inspired Francine. Now, I sent Francine a text earlier in the week and I said, Francine, could you send me one sentence, one sentence um, that summarizes what, what inspired you about this video? Now, I don't know if any of you, how many of you know Francine, but I think I sent her the impossible task. And she is a woman after my own heart, and she sent me a, an essay. So I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase a little bit um, and, and sort of skip to the, 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 the core of it. Um, but what Francine and myself, after watching this video, felt most inspired about with this video is there was a guy on there who was brave enough to stand up despite what other people might think of him and do what he felt in that moment to just express himself in a way that he felt was okay in that moment despite what potentially other people might think. And in that moment, that paid off for him. It was brilliant. And people started to join and get involved. And, and I thought that was quite incredible because there have definitely been points in my life where I felt called to do something, but I didn't because I was too afraid of what other people might think and whether that would shatter other people's expectations of me as well. And um, the other thing that Francine shared that I wanted to share quickly was that she'd felt it had linked to something she'd read a while ago, which was written by her brother um, as an extract in a book. And, and there was quite a bit she put, some of it was really quite incredible. And I think we could probably share another week. Um, but the bit that I picked out of it, I'm going to read because I definitely didn't remember that bit. Um, and it says, as we get older, our learning process can be affected by our willingness to ask questions. Most of us feel a little embarrassed to ask too many questions. Most of us can remember a time when someone in a classroom or lecture theatre asked a question we wanted to ask, but thought it sounded stupid or would make us look less intelligent than everyone else. And so our hands stayed down and we didn't ask the question and we never got our answer. Now, I don't know, I'm going to take a quick poll here, but who has ever sat in a work training session or a classroom or a lecture hall and thought, I really want to ask this, but hasn't dared to ask in case it looks silly? I'm going to have a look around. There's a good number of hands there. So we have, we've all been that person. We've all been that person who has been scared to stand out from the crowd and do something a little bit different. I have definitely been there. Um, and as I watched all of this, and what Francine said was really quite incredible, and some of the other stuff that her brother has written in that book, I thought, really applies to where we are a little bit in terms of questioning and, and our journey, and perhaps we'll share that another time. 
But as I watched it, I started to think about um, the stuff we shared a few weeks ago that Jenny and the guys shared about, uh, where we showed the young Sheldon clips and how he was asking a whole load of questions about um, faith and religion. And what I, as I watched it, I mean, we all take different stuff from everything, don't we? But I really, what resonated with me was the mum. And I watched the mum and I thought, you could see how scared she was that he wasn't going to toe the line, that he wasn't going to follow her, her faith and her religion. It, and she was scared because she was worried about what the church would think, about what her family would think, about the people that were in her neighbourhood what we would think if Sheldon suddenly decided he wanted to be a Buddhist or, or follow another religion. And, and she was so concerned that he wouldn't live up to these expectations that everybody had of him, that, that she was pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And as I, as I watched those things, I really felt that that had been some of my story, that actually, um, that I had been so scared often that I w- couldn't, wouldn't live up to p- other people's expectations of me, that I towed the line, that I did what I was supposed to do. I was the compliant child at home. I was the one that gave up the front, my turn on the front seat of the car because my brother was screaming. I was the child that would always share her toys because, you know, Beth will do it. It's fine. She'll share the toys. I was the one that didn't have boys to stay at my house because Beth won't do that. She wouldn't do that to us she wouldn't stay out of these parties and I, I was so scared not to live up to other people's expectations that I always did what other people expected me to do and I didn't stand out sometimes and say no that's not what I want um, and I wanted it wouldn't be a s- s- slot with me here if I didn't tell you an embarrassing story about myself um, but as I was thinking about it I was walking the dog at six o'clock this morning what came to my head was a story from when I was 16 and it involves a banana boat um, yeah, so I'll skip to right to the end and tell you I've never been on a banana boat again. So you already know probably where this is going. But I, I went on this holiday with school to the Ardesh at the end of our GCSEs, and it was incredible. It was like, it was one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences. We canoed down the Ardesh with our friends. We'd all finished our exams. It was just amazing. I feel really privileged that the school took us. But the last three days of that, they took us to the Mediterranean to do some exciting water sports. I am not an exciting water sports kind of person. That's, that's not my thing. Anyway, but I went anyway. And I had a really good group of friends. Um, and we all got on really well. And, I th- you know, I thought, it's going to be fun. It'll be fine. It's not an issue. And we had a really good few days. And we got to the last day. And they said, you know, today is going to be just a really relaxed day. You can pick one of the activities on the board. Do it with your friends. We're not going to put you in groups. And then, you know, just have a great time. So we all ran up to this board. And being the compliant person I was, I was like, no, you go first. It's fine. No, you go first. You go first. And so everybody signed up on this board. And all my friends said, there's this boat trip for the day where you go out for the day. And I was like, that's us. That was us down to a T. Not massively over the top. Not crazy. It was just chilling out on a boat all day. I got there. There was 15 spaces. And I was number 16. And I was like, oh. So I went to the teacher and we had a conversation and it took ages. And eventually she just said, no, you can't go on there. So she said, just sign up for something else. It'll be fine. That's like famous last words with me. It'll be fine. Just go and sign up. And I got there and there was only one space left on the entire board. And it was the last space on the banana boat experience. It was an experience. Um, so I went begrudgingly along. I didn't argue. I didn't fight my corner. I did nothing of that. I compliantly went along and I got there and it was 14 boys and me, 
and they were all from the cool crowd at school. They were like, and one of them was Jack Shaw, who I had like obsessed over for my entire secondary school life. He was there, like in the flesh, in front of me, all bronzed from a week at the Ardesh. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is awful. So anyway, I sort of went to like, and I got on with most people at school, but there was this expectation of me at school that Beth will give it a go. Because I always did, because I didn't say no. So it was like, Beth will give it a go, she'll be fine. So we got them, we're standing in this crowd, and this banana boat man came over and he went, are we all excited? And everybody went, yeah. And Jack Shaw oh, put his arm around me, and I, and I went, yeah. <laughs> like, so of course then it's like, Beth's really excited about the banana boat. And then they said, there's 12 spaces on the banana boat, so you guys can go first, which was the front crowd, and you three, which was Jack Shaw with his arm around me, me and a boy called Paul Harrison, and about, you can go on the banana boat the second time on your own. It'll be even more fun. Now, if you know anything about banana boats, you'll know that the weight of the people on the banana boat is what gives it its stability. I didn't know that. I'd never been on a banana boat. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, I get to go on a banana boat. Jack Shaw, how exciting. Um, so we got, finally, we watched them do their trip, and I'm thinking, this is, this is awful. And the man came over at the end, and he said, this is your chance to say, I don't want to do this. And I looked around at all these boys who were, like, looking at me, smiling. And I went, no, it's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> Quite excited. And so I got on this banana boat, and it... It took off, and it wasn't so bad. And Jack Shaw was sitting in front, and there was a handle here, which I had to hold on to, like this. Like, quite the position. And Paul Harrison behind me for, like, counterbalance of weight. We were right in the middle. And it set on. I thought, this isn't so bad. And then it started to turn a bit, and then it started to hit the waves. And as it did, I moved my hair out of my face with one of my hands, and it hit this wave, and I flew off. And bless his heart, do you know, Paul Harrison held on to me with all his might and kept me on the boat. I wish he'd just sacrificed me in that moment <laughs> but he didn't he held me down on this boat and was like it's all right Beth I've got you I'm thinking let me go let me go and um, anyway he he did get me and he went grab hold of the thing in front so I grabbed hold of the handle in front and then we hit this almighty wave like it was huge like, I can still feel it in my stomach when I think about it and it like bounced us off and as it bounced off what I recognized is I wasn't only holding on to this handle with this hand I was also holding on to Jack Shaw's shorts um, so I'm like holding onto these shorts. I'm now hanging off the boat, like being trailed behind. Paul Harrison now, who, who saved me before, he's now hanging onto my foot. And we're all like dragging behind. And Jack Shaw, I mean, this was the moment where it all ended for me and Jack Shaw. Not that it ever started. But he looked me in the eyes and went, let go of my shorts. Like really loud in my face. And he, did, he wasn't that polite either, I'll be honest. Um, and it just descended into chaos. And it was one one of the most humiliating moments of my life. It was awful. And I look back at it and I think, I should have, in that moment, when I felt it and they asked, I should have said, no. I don't want to do this. It's not really me. I don't really, this isn't, I'm not really interested in this. I don't, I'm not interested in being on a banana boat. You're really nice, Jack Shaw, but I want to sit behind you on a banana boat. I, this is not something I wanted to do. And instead, I, I followed everybody else. I followed this group of people. I followed others' expectations of me in that moment and just said yes. And I didn't want to do that. I should have asked the questions. I should have followed my gut and I, and I didn't. And so we want to show you another video clip now. Um, and the reason I picked this video clip is there's a line in it that says, um, I'm sick of pretty. 
and I just want true, don't you? And I think for me, I spent all of my life trying to make my life look pretty and to fit in with all these people's expectations of me, to fit in with what others thought was acceptable. And my life has looked very pretty, but it wasn't true. And so when I watch this video clip, which I've watched loads of times with my little girl, all I think is, I don't care if her life is pretty. I just want her to feel like she has been true to who she is. And here at Q, you'll hear all sorts of stuff tonight that's, that people have been inspired by. Um, we're not trying to get you to fit into a mold or fit into a model. We don't want pretty. We don't care if you're the lone nut or the second nut or the person that asks the crazy questions or the one hanging from a banana boat or that says no to the banana boat. We really don't care. We just want true. So tonight, whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever you're inspired by, share it with us because we might want to share that with other people as well. And we hope you take something away tonight that is really true and not just pretty. Oh, it's brighter than I thought it would be. Hello, <laughs> I'm Jen. Um, and I wanted to share with you something that had inspired me last week and the week before. Um, so for you, those of you that don't know me, I'm Jen. I work um, with children who really struggle at school. So through challenging behaviour or various things that are going on. Um, and quite often, a lot of the things that those children need um, kind of come from a fear in them. And one of the books that were used to help the children with this is called The Owl Who Was Afraid of the Dark. And we've been talking a lot about the dark recently. So this is the book. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story. So Plop is the owl in this story. And the story starts with Plop declaring to his mum he doesn't want to be a nightbird because the dark is nasty. She explains to him that he doesn't really know that about the dark yet. He's not experienced it very much and encourages, to, encourages him to go out into the world and explore what dark means. So off he goes. <laughs> He's cute, isn't he? Um, so he meets, the first person that he meets is a little boy who he asks about the dark and the boy explains to him that actually dark is exciting because they're going to have fireworks and they can't have the fireworks without the dark. He can't see them in the light, not as spectacular. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> which is quite interesting, isn't it? Um, so he goes back and reports to his mum about the fireworks and they sit and they watch them on the branch. And then the next day he heads back out, meets an old lady who tells him that Dark actually is kind. She can sit with the memories of her life, wonderful life that she's lived, all the happy times that she's had. Um, and it's quite peaceful. So he heads back to mum, reports that back to mum, still not quite convinced about the dark. Next person he meets is a boy scout. So who's had a fire pit in here? Anyone had a fire, bonfire? Cat, not as, it's not as spectacular in the light, are they? So that you've got to have it in the dark. And the boy tells him that all his mates are going out to play games in the dark, hide and seek and things like that. Much more fun in the dark. Um, so Plop stays with him over the night. They sing campfire songs and drink hot chocolate and marshmallows and all exciting things like that. And he heads back to his nest. And the story goes on. He meets a few people and he meets a man of a telescope who tells him that dark is wonderful because you can see the stars in the dark, see them much better. And the last person he meets is a cat, a fellow night animal. And this cat shows him the beauty of the nighttime and how special it is and how different types of dark can be. And so I was thinking about this. Um, and actually, when Plop experiences the dark in the nighttime, that's when he changes his mind and he goes back to his mum and he tells his mum, actually, I think dark is super. Um, so that's the story of Plop, the bird who becomes a night bird after he experiences the dark. And I was thinking about this, how it inspires me, how does it help me? And um, we've all experienced dark times, not very comfortable times, I'm sure. 
you've had your own times, maybe not all the same darkness, but they're not comfortable. And I've had times in my life where it's been quite dark, I've not wanted to be around very much, I've been quite poorly when I was younger. And quite often I think back to that time and how it's impacted me. And actually, that was a really big learning curve for me. Um, and it was like Jen said last week, no one enjoys those times. And I didn't enjoy those big emotions that I was feeling. It was hard to cope with. But actually, the darkness that I went through taught me a lot about what I can do, what I'm capable of. So in those moments of darkness, just sitting with them, the unknown, not knowing what to expect, how to help myself, how to, whether I even wanted to help myself, um, has taught me to be more aware of myself, what I need to cope with things and how to help myself. Um, it's got me to the point where I can do hard things and be okay about it, even though it doesn't, it's quite painful sometimes. Um, so things like, I did a walk last year, a really long walk, um, which some of you might know about, and things like cutting off toxic friendships from my life. So sitting in those dark moments, not feeling afraid, taught me in the unknown, not knowing what to do. It's taught me that actually... Um, I don't need to be scared of those dark times. I just need to sit. I don't need to do anything and just listen to what it's trying to teach me. Um, the darkness I experienced has helped me live my life in a more vibrant way. I'm much more willing to try things out now. Some of you know some of the random hobbies that I do. Um, I went fishing last week for the first time in 18 years, which was fun. <laughs> um, I've also learned to lean on people when I need to and that that's okay as well. Sometimes we forget that there's so many people around here that can help us and I know I've leaned on people a lot Chris and Anth particularly um, so yeah it's been a real teaching experience so plot for the owl described the dark in lots of different ways and if I were in that book what I would say about the dark to me is that dark is humbling it's uncomfortable but it's not unmanageable it teaches me things that I couldn't learn anywhere else it's given me a real opportunity to grow morning all right <laughs> Right, well, do any of you feel like you're alive in the super unknown sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I certainly do, and I do especially right now in this moment because this is something that's very unknown to me, just standing on here and trying to say something uh, and also just preparing something to say as well. has been a huge super unknown for me. It's not just a regular unknown, it's a super one. <laughs> uh, so some of you uh, might not enjoy that kind of music, and, and that's fine, uh, and I apologize for subjecting some of you to it at this time on a Sunday morning. No? Good. Oh, good. <laughs> Hope I've got some heads nodding at that. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is one of my favourite songs, and it has been for a number of years. Uh, and I sort of uh, listened to it for the first time in a while recently, uh, and a lot of the words really jumped out. Because um, they felt very relevant to not just life, but everything that we're doing here as well. Uh, so going back some years, I wouldn't even have paid any attention to the lyrics. Um, probably would have dismissed the meaning uh, and any relevance because it wasn't a Christian song. <laughs> Can anyone identify with that? Um, so therefore, it couldn't be truth. Uh, but these days, uh, I believe something that Rob Bell once said, uh, and he said, wherever you stumble on truth, whoever says it, however you come across it, affirm it and claim it because it's yours. And so that's what I'm doing with this song. I'm, I'm affirming that it's truth, and I'm claiming it as mine. Uh, and maybe some of you can claim it as yours too, but no pressure. Uh, so that whole idea of claiming truth just completely blew my mind. Uh, it opened up some new ways of seeing the world. And it's been hugely important on my quest for truth, personally. 
um, because it made me open my eyes to the possibility that the divine and God uh, isn't bound by a single book or a set of religious beliefs. Uh, you can just find it anytime from anywhere. Uh, so back to the song. Uh, this past week, uh, I'd say I found myself in the super unknown. It's been quite a busy week. Uh, and the final line of the song says, first it steals your mind and then it steals your soul. Now, obviously, stealing our soul... Sorry, did I just... I didn't mean to say uh, our soul. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> just caught myself saying it then. Our soul. I did a Joel. Are we going to call that doing a Joel now? <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Our, well, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> yeah, stealing your soul. Uh, it sounds a bit heavy, and uh, obviously it's got like a Christian connotation, hasn't it? You, you don't want the devil to steal your soul. And the idea of your soul being, your soul being stealt, stelt, stolen. I'm just really trying not to get those two words together again, sorry. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's completely consumed me so because I've been in this super unknown state uh, I can sort of identify with it stealing my soul uh, and my, certainly my mind it's just it occupied me all the time um, so yeah and it's been quite uncomfortable um, but being alive in the super unknown is where growth happens uh, and this is what Jenny was sort of saying in her talk there um, it's where the divine is, it's where God is. Um, and when you find yourself there, <laughs> you've probably got about two options. You can either break down or break through. And you might want to throw in the towel, and believe me, there have been several times I've drafted a message to say, I'm not going to do it this week. Uh, <laughs> and run away and hide. Um, or you've got the option and you might make it to the stage. Uh, and I think what I like most about this song that I played is kind of the reassurance about being at peace in the super unknown. Uh, you'll have noticed that here we claim a lot of truth from lots of different sources. Uh, and we've learned that the divine is the super unknown, essentially. Uh, and it's uncomfortable. Um, and as uncomfortable as that idea is, I'd rather be there than in the known. Um, you know, even in, if you go to the book of Genesis, remember the Bible... <laughs> uh, God he put the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You know, He didn't want you to necessarily be in the know. He said, don't eat from that tree. <laughs> and so, uh, if you're all-knowing, it means you're not growing, right? <laughs> you like that? You can't grow when you're in the know. Uh, so to finish, I'll just read some of these words again because I believe they're about being okay in the super unknown. And sometimes we might bring something that challenges things here. And it's just to say, you know, if this isn't what you see, it doesn't mean you're blind. Uh, if this doesn't make you feel, it doesn't mean you've died. Uh, and if you don't want to believe, well, you don't have to try. Uh, this doesn't, if it doesn't make you free, it doesn't mean you're tied. Uh, if it doesn't make you smile, you don't have to cry. <laughs> uh, if this isn't making sense, it doesn't make it lies. And so I'll just leave you with the chorus one more time. And then we've got a video from the kids. Woo! Thank you. Hello. <laughs> well, first of all, I think we say, we made it to collaboration week, guys. We've made a whole month, <laughs> and here we are. So what have we been learning over the last few weeks? I mean, it's been a real journey for us all, I think, collaborating and, and getting to where we are today. 
Um, we've learned that the lightness and darkness can, be, can mean different things to different people, but significantly we've heard how it's about using our other senses. It's not about what we can see, but it's about a deeper light. It's about being the light, the inseverable bond, and growing deeper within that with our resurrections. But to me, which is why I shared this clip, it, it's about collateral beauty for me. The darkness really resonates with me due to... I'm not going to be too much of a Debbie Downer, sorry. But it really resonates with me because of a tragic grief I faced in my life. Um, and I've been consequently forever changed. Um, and I faced a lot of dark situations. Even this week, I had a shadow cast over my life. And actually, I handled it well because I've learned how to walk in the dark. I've learned how to walk in the light. I've learned how to be both. I've learned that the two are combined and that, you know seasons come but so to me the difference now is that it didn't phase me because I've learned about collateral beauty so we've heard about collateral collateral is an item of value so that you you put against something to gain something so for example in a relationship you give your heart as your collateral you know people say it's been said that grief is the price of love um and the collateral damage, so damage is, you know, we've heard that phrase, collateral damage, about the loss of control. The things you face that you can do little about. You know, maybe it's you needing to let go of Jack Shaw's shots. The collateral beauty is about the learning, uh, the change within. The Isabella song, collateral beauty, it isn't pretty, but it's true. Alive in the super unknown, it's about claiming your truth. The loss of control we have is about losing sight and about riding the waves, preferably not on a banana boat. Navigating our experience of the dark by seeing a light has nothing to do with, we, we, well, with what we can see, but with what we can feel. Using our other senses to evolve our beliefs, our depth and our relationship with ourselves. It's about finding an inner peace in the storm or in the quiet of the inner chaos. Truly, madly, deeply in the moment, and just sitting, as Jen kindly shared, on the kids' clip. How awesome was that? They've got a very practical way of looking, haven't they, about the dark? <laughs> you know, it's, I, I quite like that it had the two sides. You know, in one sense, it was scary, and the other sense, it was you could bang your head, or you could fall over, or you could hide in it. I thought that was really powerful, and that, and that Rex, you know, with all his witches and wizards and cats and leopards, it was about you and me as well in the middle of it all. Um, so Chris said um, a few weeks back now, or was it last week, she talked about how she was learning to walk in the dark and how it was about, uh, and breathe into it. I loved that phrase and it got me thinking and, and then I saw this clip when I was watching Castaway last week because our Wi-Fi broke so we had to watch normal telly which was interesting. It's like it's got adverts and everything. Um, but... And I loved that when Hannah spoke, you know, which she talked about in Jewish culture that the day starts with the evening and it's about starting from rest. And I just love that idea of breathing and all you have to do is breathe. And I looked it up, well, I know this from, in yoga and mindfulness, there's actually a breathing technique called ocean breathing. And it's a deepness of breath which increases your well-being, and you breathe with the waves, with the rhythms of the tide. And I really love that analogy. And it's actually used as a birthing technique. You know, often they say, don't you, when you see these clips or if you've been through it, just breathe, just breathe. Now, the reason you have to do that 
is because when, you, when your body goes into birth as a female, it sends a signal to your brain that something's wrong because the pain is just so excruciating. And your brain goes into fight or flight mode um, and it, it automatically will release adrenaline, which doesn't help at all. It just makes the whole thing worse. And it, the anxiety and the stress and the pain is just unbearable. So they teach you to breathe. Um, and they teach you this ocean breathing. And the reason they teach you it is because when you calm your body and you breathe within, what it does is it releases a hormone called oxytocin, which is actually a natural pain release. And I just thought that was really powerful that in our situations where we might be experiencing pain or darkness or, or uh, you know, walking through something, sometimes it's just about breathing and being still. Uh, my son George, when he goes to bed, he has ocean sounds on his Alexa to help him sleep. I know Riley's got ocean sounds as well, isn't he? Bless him, a couple of old men then. Um, <laughs> But I looked up about tides. Well, I know this. You know, tides are actually caused by the gravitational forces between the Earth, the Moon, and the, and the Sun. So the Earth, you, the Moon, the dark, and the Sun, the light. And we learnt back on Easter Sunday that the parallels on how the universe, the Sun, and the Moon affect our physical Earth and our spiritual world. So the gravitational forces of light and dark pulling you with the tides to ease us into breathing into our journey. So breathe with the ocean and let the light of the moon pull your sail in with the tide. It, so whether you are feeling more dark or more light or more light than dark, we can celebrate both. As Jen said, it can make us spectacular. So the answer is simple. Just keep breathing and who knows what the tide will bring. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>